Let's just keep our eyes on Jesus this morning as we've been encouraged to do. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we declare that you are the one around whom the whole universe revolves. Lord, we declare that you're the one who, the only one who loves us completely, eternally, unwaveringly. Lord, we declare that you're the one who has broken in on our lives, that you've pulled us up out of the miry clay, that you've put our feet on a rock, that you've given us hope and a future. Lord, that you've forgiven our sin. Lord, that you've given us purpose, that you've brought us joy and peace. Lord, that you've given us something to look forward to. Lord, that you give meaning and you bring blessing in abundance, Lord. Jesus, we declare that you are the center of everything. We declare that you are the rock upon which we build our lives. Lord, we declare that you are utterly, utterly trustworthy, that you will never let us down. Lord, we declare that you know us intimately, that you know every bit about us, every sin, every weakness, every failing, everything that we've done this week, every good thing, every bad thing, and you still love us completely, Lord. We put our hope and our trust in that kind of God. Jesus, we celebrate who you are to us. We celebrate your grace and your mercy and your, your kindness, Lord, your patience with us. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We exalt you. We're here for you, Lord. We want our lives to revolve around you. We declare you are the center of everything. We worship you, Jesus. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified amongst us as a body. Lord, we pray, as Anna led us just now, we say, let your will be done amongst us, Jesus. Lord, our lives don't always look like that is our prayer, but as we're together, we say, no, that is what we want, Lord. We say, your will be done amongst us. Your kingdom come in this place, Jesus. Be seen in our lives, Lord. Be seen in this church. Be seen in Swindon. Oh God, in our nation in these days, we say, Jesus be seen amongst all the division and all the uh, confusion and all the recriminations and all the indecision. Lord, we say, Jesus be seen. May you rise up, Lord. May your church be seen in these days. Lord, this is what our nation needs. We say, Jesus, be glorified. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Please uh, grab a seat uh, for a little while. We will um, come back and worship uh, towards the end. I just feel like this morning is just a key moment for us to uh, come and give ourselves again to God. Even as we've been worshiping this morning and putting Jesus at the center and declaring that our faith is in him and that in his love we cannot be shaken, uh, This is a moment for us to stir our spirits, I believe.
It's one of those funny times of year. We've been doing all different things over the summer. Some have been here, some haven't. There's a new term in front of us. We've come with all sorts of different emotions, I know, and all sorts of uh, different things going on in our heads. Some of us are excited about new possibilities. Some of us are sluggish after holidays. We come from all sorts of backgrounds this morning, but I believe that Jesus wants to gather us up this morning, and he wants us to gather again to him, and he wants us to stir our hearts again. Amen? Are you ready to be stirred by God and by his spirit that he might be the focus of what we do again? And we require these times, don't we, of him calling us again back to him. We'll do that a bit later, Ian. Otherwise, you'll be standing there all for the next 20 minutes <laughs> with those buckets. Thank you for serving us. Um, but I just believe that God wants to call us and stir us and awaken us again. It's time to seek the Lord. Amen? It's time to seek the Lord. Um, we're going to read together um, 1 Peter chapter 1. As I was thinking about this morning, I just there, there's lots of things we could say. Next week, we have a time where we can uh, talk a bit more about us as a family and what's going on amongst us and Gateway and being there for one another. But today, I just felt like God wanted to... I, wanted, I, I felt like God wanted it to, to be a, a, a me and him morning, a you and God morning. It's like, where are we with God? What, what's the state of our hearts? Let God stir us and awaken us again. For him. Amen? And so let's read together um, 1 Peter, and then I'm just going to bring out one or two things before we come back um, and just have a time of reflection before him, time of giving ourselves again, consecrating ourselves again before God, giving this next season to him, seeing what he wants to point out to us, what he wants to highlight with us, what he wants to say to us. Opportunity just to say, where's my heart before God? So let's read 1 Peter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And say that to you this morning. Let's say that to one another, in fact, okay? Say it with me. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And louder. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And now look at somebody else and say it. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. Theo, well done. Pointing that finger at your neighbor and saying, yeah, grace and peace. May God multiply amongst us his grace and his mercy and his peace. Amen. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that, they have, now been, that, that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your life, your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. Good stuff in there. That's meaty, isn't it? I just, I feel like I want us to ensure our foundations are in the right place, set our course in the right place, and then I want us to ask that God would come and fill us again with his spirit for this next bit of our journey together. So we're going to start off with uh, three fixed points to help you get your bearings, okay? Whatever life is doing with you right now, whether you're um, in a good period or whether you're struggling right now, three things to help get your bearings, fix your location, ensure that you know where you stand in God, okay? Three fixed points which correspond to the Trinity, um, helpfully enough, and uh, my illustration for this this morning is that, um, okay, we've just been come back from holiday. We've been in France. Um, and I took, uh, all, all, all conversations revolve around this at the moment. We've been talking about it in the prayer meeting. Everything revolves around bike racks, okay? Because I took a bike rack to France with us, with three bikes on the back of the car. Never done that before. Um, in uh, all my long years, 
never taken bikes. We were going to areas where uh, people recommended you should have bikes. Uh, now, this for me was a, a quite a stressful proposition because I, it, we, we borrowed a bike rack from friends, uh, but it's, it looks like a very flimsy little bit of kit to me. There's a few straps on it. Uh, the back of our car is more or less vertical. I'm like, how on earth you should feel the weight of our bikes? How on earth is this going to hold three bikes when I'm driving down French motorways? And how are they all not going to come off? And uh, it, it caused me quite a lot of stress. I, I'm, I get anxious about these kind of things. Um, but, but we did it. Funnily enough, as, as Robert said in the prayer meeting this morning, I've never seen a bike come off somebody's bike rack, and the bikes didn't come off. Um, but the, that didn't mean I wasn't constantly looking out the back window to see whether they were slipping down or whether they were moving and to see what the people in the cars next to us who were waving at us because there was a strap free. or uh, it, it's, don't, I don't recommend it, okay? Don't, don't put bikes on the back of your car and hurtle down a motorway. <laughs> Thankfully, one of the bikes didn't come up back with us, actually. Helen's bike is very old, uh, very decrepit. It kind of broke and died in France. And so thankfully, we, we left it there. It went to bike heaven in France. Um, and, no, I don't actually believe in bike heaven, by the way. Uh, but, but we did leave it. It, it, it. Heaven is for human beings, okay? Made in the image of God. Bikes are not made in the image of God. I can assure you of that. I've discovered that now. Um, but anyway, we left it in France, it's, it's in a, a lovely home. It's going to be made into ornaments and jewellery and things. We found a little shop. Amazing. Anyway, that's another story. Ask me about that later. Don't have time. But the point about the bike rack is this. How do you get a bike to stay on the back of a car when you're driving down a motorway? You fix it in three points. Okay? Two points, it still wags around. But if you get the frame and you grip it in one place, a second place, and a third place, it turns out it's very secure. Okay, because it can't go anywhere. And then you put another one on top and remarkably, it all stays there. And when you step back, it still stays there. And when you drive down a motorway, it still stays there. I can't get my head around it, but then there you go. It worked. But three fixed points. And these are the three fixed points for you to anchor yourselves this morning. Okay, at this point in life. The first one is this. You were, this is what Peter said. This is just his introduction. You were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay, I said Trinity. The Father is the first one. God the Father. This is your first anchor point. You were chosen before creation, before the world even came into being, before you were a baby, before your parents knew anything about you. You were chosen by God the Father. Amen? Chosen to be loved by him. What an anchor point is that? Before any of this world came along, before any of the ups and downs of life, before you were uh, even dreamt of, God knew you. And he chose you for him. He chose you for a relationship with him. He chose you to be the uh, recipient of his great love. Amen? Amen? What a foundation point. That's your anchor point number one. The second one is this. It was through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, okay? So this is the second one, the Spirit. The Spirit's sanctifying work. So God in advance chooses you. He says, I want you. I want you to be the one that I love. And I'm, by the way, I'm going to conform you to the image of my son. I'm going to make you like Jesus. I'm gradually going to change you, but not by you trying hard, 
But because I've chosen you, and because I've chosen you, I'm going to fill you with my spirit, and gradually through, I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to come in. My spirit, the very presence of God, is going to live within you, and my spirit gradually is going to make you to be like the person that I intended you to be all along. Amen? So that's your second anchor point. The spirit has been given to you. You are full of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer here today and you've been filled with the Spirit, then He is doing a work of sanctification. And it's it's the work. The work is the Spirit's work. It's not your work to get more like Jesus. It's not your work to sort out the things that come along in life. God gives you His Spirit. That by His Spirit now, you might work through everything in life. Amen? That when you come across a situation that's hard, when you come across something you don't know what to do with, when you find it within yourself something that you don't like or a sin or something that you can't break, it's the spirit that is at work to sanctify you, to make you like like God has always intended. Amen? And so you call on the spirit in those moments. You say, God, every day, that's why we so desperately need the spirit. So chosen by God beforehand for his love, second point, through the sanctifying work of the spirit, And so we lean on him now. And the third anchor point is this. It says, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. The picture here is that it's the same word where the high priest in the Old Testament sprinkled sacrificial blood on the worshippers to show that they were consecrated to God. Okay? And the Bible says that we us are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, that we're consecrated, that we're set apart for him, that we're set apart for purpose, that we're here not by accident, but that there are things that he has for us to do. This makes us incredibly significant, that he has put our, his mark upon us. He's sprinkled us with his blood. He's set us apart. He's given us purpose. He's given us a job now to bear his image, to declare who he is. Amen? Amen. To be obedient to Jesus, to look like Jesus, to bring glory to Jesus in this world. And those are our three anchor points. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now worked in by the Spirit in every situation, empowered by the Spirit, full of the Spirit. You won't be able to do life if you're not calling on the Spirit and using the power that he gives us every day to be obedient to to Christ because we're consecrated, because we've got purpose, because we've set apart for him. Amen? These are the anchor points. And whatever is going on in life, these need to be the things that we base ourselves on. If we're a believer here today, if we put our faith in Jesus, then the most important thing about us is that we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. That, we've been san- that we're being sanctified by the Spirit, that we're filled with the Spirit, that life is to be done by the power of the Spirit now. And that we're here with purpose, set apart, significant. Whoever you are this morning, significant in God's purposes. Significant, put here to display who God is. Let those be the anchor points of our life this morning. And then... Let's have three instructions to help us set our course this morning from Peter. So he, go, he uh, gets excited about the gospel. By the way, just to say, picking up on the things that um, Motti um, and Ant were saying this morning in terms of struggles, 
Just by way of context, Peter here is uh, getting excited about the gospel and the foundation and what God has done for him and for them. And he's speaking that into the churches in Asia Minor, which is uh, current day Turkey. But actually, he was right in the middle of a huge amount of suffering himself. You can look at the, the, the Bible writers waxing on about how great the gospel is and think, oh, well, it was all right for them. No, it wasn't all right for him. There was a huge amount of persecution at this point. He's just lost his best mate, James, who's leading the church in Jerusalem, who has been murdered by the high priest. Uh, There's persecution breaking out all over the church in Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey, which is why he's caused to write these letters. And he says, in the midst of everything that's going on, you have a firm foundation. We don't have anything like that going on in our lives. We have struggles, we have challenges, for sure, but bear in mind the context that Peter was speaking into. But he says, you, you who have been saved by God, you have a firm foundation. You have these anchor points for your soul today. And we need to be firm in them and hold on like crazy to them. And now three instructions to help you set your course. So the three things that he encourages us to do through the rest of this passage. So first of all, verse 13, Peter says this, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So we start in the future, okay? What we set our hope on is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again, that he's going to be revealed, and at that point, the full extent of God's grace is going to be revealed to us, okay? We haven't seen the fullness of it yet. We know God's grace in part, yeah? The kingdom is coming, but it's not yet fully come. But there is a day coming, a key point in history where Jesus is coming back. Did you know that the two key foundation points in history are where Jesus came the first time, died and resurrected? A whole of history revolves around that. The other key point in history is when he's coming back again, where the grace of God in all its fullness will be revealed. So that everything will be sorted out at that point. Amen? Amen? So the fullness of God's grace gets revealed at that point. And Peter says... I want you to set your hope on that second anchor point. The first one is the one that got you saved. You're only here and forgiven of your sin and living in freedom because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I want you to set your hope on the next one, which is when Jesus is revealed, when he comes back and his grace is revealed in all its fullness. Amen? I want you to put that is the anchor point for your hope. Okay? Whatever's going on in life... The instructions for setting your course are, number one, fix your eyes on that point in the future when you know he's coming back. And the grace of God in all its fullness and therefore peace and joy and love and freedom from pain and all those things, they are guaranteed at that point. Now fix your hope on that where Jesus will be revealed. Amen? That's the first instruction. And you know, things are, things are feeling a bit shaky right now, aren't they? In our nation, things are feeling a little bit shaky. I don't know if you're bothered by that kind of thing, what's going on in Westminster and all of that. But fix your hope. Ups and downs. History is full of them. But fix your hope. We have a sure and certain future. Amen? And, you know, there are so many... In the prayer meeting, Motti was saying about uh, fighting through distractions. God help us to fight. There are so many distractions in life, aren't there? And they, it feels like they multiply, not only in our nation, but in our, in our circumstances and what's going on. But fix your hope. Let the anchor point for your life be down there in the future when Jesus comes again. Amen? Amen. 
Literally, what Peter says is, gird up the loins of your mind. So this is about how we think, okay? You know, in, in, in uh, Bible times where men wore skirts, and if you wanted to run, you had to hoist up your skirts, okay? That's the picture, but do that with your mind, Peter says, okay? So the way that you think, get your, get your mind ready for action, okay? Life is full of distractions. Life is full of all sorts of stuff going on. If you're not if you're not careful, you will get blown away by what is going on. But, but Peter says, gird up your skirts, gird up the loins of your mind, get your mind ready for action, okay? Be sober, he says, be alert. In other words, fill your mind, be intoxicated with the gospel, okay? Not, it, it, it's the opposite of being drunk on wine, okay? That's the picture, be sober, he says, so don't, be, don't fill your mind with wine, fill your, be intoxicated with the gospel, with the truth of the gospel, amen? And then your mind will, then everything else flows from your mind. Be transformed, the Bible says, doesn't it, by the renewing of your mind. It's what goes on in your mind that has all the implications in your life. So set your mind on the fact that Jesus is coming again and that all, all his grace will be revealed at that point in its fullness. But right now, Fill your mind with the truth. Fill your mind with who God is. Fill your mind with the gospel and what has happened to you so that you are alert and ready for action. Amen? And if you've been around for a while, like me, it's difficult to change your mind on stuff. It is though, isn't it? It is, but we have to... This is why we need to be full of the word. This is why we need to be encouraging one another because... To change our mind on stuff and get new stuff into our mind about God and who he is and the gospel is hard work. But that's what Peter says. I want you to be, I want you to minds to be full of the truth. That is how lives will change. This is a, it's a bumpy place, this world. But we need to be founded in this. Our minds need to be ready for action and alert. And I just believe that God wants to stir us today. The second, the second point is this, three instructions to help you set your course. The first one, set your hope on the grace to be brought when Jesus is revealed at his coming. The second one is this, verse 17, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Okay, so we've set our, we've set our hope on the future. Now for this stretch between now and then, what you do is you live here in reverent fear, in fear of God. That's the main thing that drives this period of time. You're a foreigner here. You don't belong here. This is not your natural home. We're aliens and strangers here, the Bible says, because our home now is somewhere else. It's Jesus' kingdom. We're part of him. We don't fit around here. If you really feel like you fit in the world too much, then I, you, you need to question what's going on in life because we're not supposed to fit here. We're aliens and strangers because we've been born again. Amen? Because we're now part of a new kingdom. So you should feel a bit like a foreigner around here. You have a different set of values. You have a different thing that you're focused on. Your life is built on different foundations. Amen? Amen. So live your lives, Peter says, in fear of God, a right fear of God and who he is, his glory, his majesty, his holiness, and realize you're not, you're not, this is not your home. So that is to be our attitude in life. And we need, to, we need to speak this to ourselves. Amen? We, we, we worship a holy God. And we need to live our lives in fear of a holy God. Yes, 
the gospel is very, very good news. But let's not be casual, therefore, about the way that we live. Because we've been set apart, the Bible says, we've been set apart, being sanctified by the Spirit, so that we might be obedient to Jesus. That's our purpose now, to be obedient to Jesus. And we serve our holy God, who is watching us. Yes, we're saved by grace, but let's not forget the majesty and the holiness and the unknowability of God as we worship him. Amen? We bow before a holy God. We live in fear of him, in a right fear of his majesty and his holiness. So when we're making decisions, when we're deciding how we're going to act, when we respond to people, when we come across the difficult circumstances in life, the first thing is, how is God going to see this? It's fear of God. That's how we live this patch of life now. We're not at home here. We don't live it the same way as everybody else. We're foreigners. We look different from everybody else. We live it in fear of God. We say, "What God, what would you say about this? This way that I'm reacting to somebody, this decision I'm making, what's your view on this? That's the first thing, fear of God. You know, I've been, we're in, a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a preaching series for the autumn term, uh, which is going to be based on the book of Haggai. Um, about the kind of house that God would build and the glory of God's temple. And kind, I suppose kind of in preparation, I've been reading through some of the, uh, the what are called the minor prophets. And there's this constant theme through the prophets. I've been reading Hosea this week. And the constant theme is that the problem with the people of God is that, they, uh, that God blesses them, they become successful, they get complacent, they get slack, they, they start ignoring God, And God has to wake them up, and he has to actually bring judgment. He has to bring trouble to them so that, and actually it's in his grace and his mercy, so that they wake up and actually live in the way that they're supposed to. And it happens again and again with them, and we're no different as people. Actually, that is the key things in Hosea that are the problems is possessions and all the blessings that God gives people, and also it's it's their nice organized religion. And we can be very close to those things. We look at them and think, oh, that's the Old Testament. But know that the things that we have, the thing that God blesses us with, they can so easily make us comfortable, complacent, slack, lazy, not fearing God rightly. And so God, God uses the circumstances. He read from Hebrews 12. Well, if you read on in Hebrews 12, it's actually about God using hardship to wake us up. Because we're here for purpose, and God has plucked us out of the world. We're not to be like everybody else, but so easily we get complacent and just relax into life. But God says no, and sometimes it has to be the pulling out of the rug from under our feet a little bit because it wakes us up and makes us get back into dependence on God. That's my experience. I don't know about yours. And so that's when Motti and Anne earlier were talking about the struggles of life. Well, maybe God wants to get your attention. And yes, he's full of grace and he's full. Don't hear what I'm not saying. He is full of love towards us. But sometimes love of a father means a bit of, come on, something a bit harder to bring you back to God. And we're to live in the fear of God. And let's allow whatever is happening in life. I'm not saying God's doing bad things to you. Or don't, but God uses the circumstances of life to awaken us. Because we're to live as foreigners and strangers here in fear of God. Amen? 
And the third thing for setting our course is this. He says, verse 22, love one another deeply. That's the thing that we do immediately. So we set our hope on when Jesus comes back. In this interim, we live in the fear of God as aliens and strangers here. But right now, what do we do? Right back at the present, we love one another deeply. That's the the most concrete thing we do right now because that reflects God's heart. We love one another deeply. Not because we can't do that in ourselves. It has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It has to be as the Spirit lives in us and as the actually Word and Spirit. So Peter starts talking about the Word, doesn't he? That actually it's the Word. Peter says it's the Word of God that birthed new life in you in the first place. Okay? It wasn't, it wasn't a human seed in that sense. It wasn't flesh. It was actually what, what brought you alive in God was the word of God, but awakened in you by the Holy Spirit. And so if you want life in its fullness, and if you want to be fruitful, what you have to do with that is you have to feed it the, more of the word of God. Okay? Because it's not flesh. It's, God, it's God's nature. It's the word of God that awakened us to him in the first place. He planted his seed in us. And so we need more of the word of God. So in the beginning of chapter 2, Peter says, so I want you to crave the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Because actually, it's, it, it's the word of God that will cause you to grow now. Because the new life that is in, is in you was birthed by the word. Amen? Okay, but the spirit working on the word. But actually, it's, we need more of the, the word of God in us to cause more life to come, to cause us to grow up, to cause us to be fruitful. Amen? And so we need to be people. This is why we're so, I've just seen this afresh. This is why we're so desperate for the word of God. Because that now in our new life, that's the thing that brings us life and fruitfulness. Amen? And so we need to up. This is my uh, resolution, if you like, going into this next stretch. Is, is to up the, so many things influence, influence us in life, don't they? More and more things influencing us, coming at us all the time. But the point is, if you want to grow up in God, and if you want to honor him and do the things that he wants us to do as now his new creations, then the only way that fruitfulness will come is through being immersed in the word of God. That's where that life comes from. That's how we grow up in that. Because that is the nature of our new life. We're not flesh anymore. We're born of the Spirit by the Word of God. And so we need more of the Word to cause us to grow up and be fruitful. Amen? So my resolution, and this is my challenge for you, really, is let's up the proportion of influence that's coming at us from the Word. Okay? I'm not saying don't watch any telly, don't read any, don't do any social media, don't talk to anybody, and just read the Bible. And that's not my suggestion. But what I'm saying is let's up the proportion of what's coming at us from the word. Amen? So more, more Bible, if you like, more of being together, speaking the word into one another, rather than all those other influences, because we are so disproportionately influenced by the world and its ways and its systems, aren't we? Just by the stuff that comes at us. But I believe if we want to be fruitful and grow up in God and be obedient to Jesus Christ... Uh, as this Peter is calling us to, then we need a, a greater proportion of God input into us in that sense. Because otherwise, how, how will it ever happen? So can I encourage you, whatever it is that you need to do in this next season to say, now I'm going to get into the... It's, it's, it is meat for us. 
Okay, it, we feed on it. In our new nature, we need the word of God. And so if you're not getting that input, then there's a problem. And I don't know if we sometimes see the seriousness of that. And so whatever it takes for you to set aside, if, even if you start with five minutes a day and you work your way through, just pick a book or something. Shall I tell you the most useful thing in our household that we find is the Straight to the Heart series. Has anybody come across Straight to the Heart series? Uh, Phil Moore, who goes through different books of the Bible, just a couple of pages of fantastic input, works his way through different sections. Really, really helpful start to the day. If you're looking for something, Straight to the Heart series, I'd say. My best recommendation. Um, so good. But get, find some way. Or meet up with a friend and say, look, let's work through uh, this, this, this book of the Bible. Or let's keep ourselves accountable. But we need that. We need that. Amen? So I just feel like today God wants to awaken us. He wants to say, where are your foundations? Uh, let's examine our hearts today. Amen? It's time to examine our hearts. You know, one of the things in Hosea that has leapt out at me is this sense of, uh, it's time to break up the unplowed ground. And what happens in life is that our hearts get matted and they get stuck and they get solidified by the stuff that comes off, uh, on. And it's true. It's the same for us as in the Old Testament. And what the, the prophets say is you need to plow up the ground of your lives. That we need to plow, and we need to do this too. I know that for myself. We need to plow up the ground of our hearts. Amen? How do we do that? Word, spirit, prayer. Go, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to plow up the unplowed ground of our hearts, and it's time to seek the Lord. Amen? He wants to do stuff with us. Yes, he wants to uh, absolutely bless us and comfort us through all the things that we go through, but also to awaken us to him, that we might be sanctified by the Spirit so that we can be obedient to Christ, as was his intention. Amen? Right. That'll do. We're going to come and respond to God. As ever, the time is shorter than uh, I was anticipating, but we kind of come and uh, worship together. What I'd love to do first is the, the one thing that I do want to make a thing of today is our new term guide. And so we've just read, love one another deeply, amen? Paul's third instruction for setting your course, what you do right now is love one another deeply. And one of the key ways that we believe to do that is through small groups, through meeting together. You can't, we can't do that practically on a Sunday morning when we're this many people, but we can do that in small groups in the week. And today is term guide day, so hopefully if you haven't got a term guide already on your way in, then grab one and look through and find a context where you can love one another deeply, when you can do Peter's instructions, where you can speak the word of God into one another and pray for one another. These uh, contexts are absolutely key to us being the people that God wants us to be. And so will you look at the term guide, see what is right for you, pick a group, sign up, Clive and Kaz, come and tell us... I just asked these guys, because I know they're big fans of small groups, and I just said to them, look, the things that you always say about small groups and why they're great, come and, come and say them just now. Yeah. Um, hello. We just, uh, we've always loved small group. If you know us, if you've been in our small group at any point over the years, you know that we love small group. We just, um, it's been a long time since we've done it. And we just felt like God calling us to, to come back to hosting a small group again, mainly because of all the stuff Nigel was just saying about 
that influence of the world. And obviously, Sunday is amazing. We get to meet together and encourage each other. But Sunday to Sunday is a long time. And and just having that encouragement and support and being together um, with each other to to encourage each other to go after God in a really real way. Uh, and that that is what we love about small group. We love that that heart of gathering together with people that you really get to know. Because again, on a Sunday, we say hi to each other and it's great. But having that thing where you you develop real relationships and really, I mean, we're surrounded by lots of people all week who aren't Christians, who don't know God and they're lovely people, but we don't get to do life with them in a way that um, we're seeking God together. And there's just something really powerful about that. And we just... Um, have a real heart for gathering together in that way and um and often as well it's that thing where you think oh small group tonight like let's be real people's weeks are busy and lots going on and sometimes you think oh do I really want to go tonight do I really want to make time for that but every time you do it just feels like God blesses you in that way as you gather together to seek him it's just I just love it and so we're really excited about about doing that again and well, hopefully some people will come. Otherwise, it would just be us, but that would be fine. I think one of the best examples I can give you is something I missed when we laid our small group down was the relationships that we had developed with people. And the example I can give you is um, we got two grandchildren, and uh, I don't, they live in another town, so I don't get to see our granddaughter that often. It could be every few weeks. And it takes quite a while when we see her to kind of like her get used to us again. She's 20 months old. And it's like, yes, I am your grandfather. And it's like trying to convince her to come to me. But then some weeks, I'll see her on a Sunday, and then I might see her midweek. And it's like straight away, she's like, oh, it's my granddad. And actually, the relationship develops a lot quicker because she recognizes and she knows me. And that's what it's like. I can walk in on a Sunday morning, having worship, prayed, and been with someone on a Wednesday evening. And straight away, I'm like, hey, has there been an answer to prayer? How's life? Well, that comes to me. How's things going? They hold us accountable. We hold them accountable. And that's how family develops. And that, for us, when we ran small group for the years that we did it, was so key. Or it was those relationships that developed that you walk through the door and you go, oh, yeah, look, there's my family. Because though we love you guys, like, it's so hard to get to speak to people. So hard on a Sunday to get to speak to everyone. But and I'd really, really encourage you, find a small group, connect in. And you know what? Some people go, look, I just can't get to a small group regular. But there's something very powerful when you have a group of people who will pray for you, look after you, contact you, even if you can't actually get to the group on a regular basis. Sorry. And really quickly, even just looking around now, there's I'm not going to name names because I'll miss someone, but there's just faces you see and think, oh, yeah, we've been in small groups together. Yeah, we've been in small groups together. And even all these years later, there's just some connection that was formed in those days that never gets lost. And that that is powerful in itself, that actually as time goes on, those are still the people that you gravitate towards. To, And so, yeah, that's hope. That's fab. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, guys, do you want to come back? Let's stand together. I just love us just... We, we will take some more time, I think, just to respond to where we're at and what God's doing with us next week as well. We'll continue... Um, this theme a little bit but I'd love us just as the guys come and just lead us briefly I'd love us just individually to decide to examine our hearts right now 
let's have one song that the guys lead us in, but maybe um, you don't have to sing, but let's use this opportunity just to say, God, where am I at with you right now? Is my heart matted? Is it responsive? Do I need to do some plowing up? Are there some things that actually you want to challenge me on that need to change right now? Are there some patterns of life that need to change so I can focus on being in the word of God and being with one another to be able to pray and love one another? Are there some things that need to change? Are there some things that God wants to plant seeds of ideas in your head of things that you want to do or things that you want to stop because God's speaking to you? Let's examine our hearts for a minute and say, God, what is it that you want to say? Where am I at with you right now? Am I living my life in fear, in reverent fear of the holy God? What, what's the temperature of my spiritual walk right now? Is it lukewarm? Is it cold? Is it hot? God, come by your spirit. Father, I just want let, to let's lift our hands before God right now. Just use this a moment between you and God. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on us. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would provoke. I pray that you would stir. I pray that you would awaken. I pray that, Lord, we would use this moment just to do business with you, each of us individually, before our maker and our creator and the lover of our soul.